So let, let's kind of review. A, a few weeks ago, um, I threw out a, a couple of questions that I said are really, really important that we answer. As a matter of fact, all of us would agree that the sooner we can answer these questions, the better, because a lot hangs in the balance on how we answer these questions. Remember this, uh, questions like this, like what kind of person do you want to be and what kind of life do you want to live? We've asked that several times over the last several months. What kind of person do you want to be and what, what kind of life do you want to live? And however you would answer that, I bet your answer would include the word good, right? I want to be a good man. I want to be a good person. I want to be a, a good friend. And I want to live a good, a good life. I mean, me too. Here's the follow-up question. Um, what do you mean by good? What, what, do you, what do you mean by good? What, what is it about a person that you would point to and go, yeah, they're a good person. That makes them good because of that. Or what do you point to as like the defining attribute that you would point to and say their life is good because of that? And, and how about this? And if either you or your circumstance or your life, if it's not good, how can you make it good? Or what, right? how, how, do, how do you get, change things so that you are, become good or your life becomes good? And m- most of us, we would immediately point to like um, behaviors in a person or, or circumstances and we would determine if something's good or bad based on the goodness or the badness that's present, at least available or, or apparent to us, right? Like here's where we go with this and this is math. Hang with me, all right? If you do good things or do more good things than bad things, then you must be a good person. Right? And if you have mostly good things happen to you, then you must have a, have a good life. And, and, and what we looked at is, is this, is that that puts you in a really dangerous spot, potentially. Um, it's not a bad spot, but it's a dangerous spot because what Jesus would say, if that's how you're thinking, um, he would say this, woe, woe to you, be careful, time out, right? Because it's easy to jump to an untrue and even a, a devastating conclusion that goes like this. If I do good things, then I, I'm sure I'm good with God. And if good things happen to me, then I'm sure God is good with me. But if I do bad things, that must mean that I, I'm a bad person. And if, and if my life has bad things happen in, in my life, that means that God's not good with me. Otherwise, why would bad things happen to me? God must hate me. And we get there really, really, really fast. Now, now, here's what's going on right now. Most of us, you know, at all of our campuses listening right now to my voice, we'd sit there and go, well, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's really true. But <laughs> even though you go, you know, I, I, I don't think that's true, if most of us were honest and looked at how we live our lives and how we think about, you know, when things happen in our lives, when we say things like this, why did God let that happen? Or why did God cause that to happen or something like that? Um, it is what we believe. If I do good things, I'm a good person. If bad things happen to me, God hates me. This is where we just go way, way too soon. And you say, well, I, I don't know if I believe that. But that is how we're living our life. Like, remember this phrase, what we do, not what we say we believe or what we, you know, you know just spout out when somebody asks us a question. But what we actually do, that's what reveals what we really believe is really true. And believe and faith are the same word. So the way we live our lives reveals what we have faith in will work. Does that make sense? So, so how I live my life, doesn't matter what I say or what I sing about or, or what I pray about, something like that. When I go out there and I live my daily life, that reveals what I actually think that when life hits me, I will actually hold me together. It's why our first response a lot of times when something good happens or something that we wanted to happen is we want to jump right to, well, it must, it must be God's will, right? He wanted that to happen in my life. Otherwise, why would I have it? It must, it must be God's will. It must be a, a good thing. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't have happened. Even though we know that the thing that happened, it's not even close to what God says is right and true, but we just try to make ourselves feel better going, well, then if God didn't want it to happen, it wouldn't happen. So it happened, so it's good. And we call it good. It's also why our, our most common response when something bad happens in our life would be this. Why would God do this to me? 
Why would God cause this or allow this to happen? Followed by, well, then what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Or what's wrong with God? And that is why a lot of us, if we were honest, we are about this close. If we haven't already, we're about ready to tap out on the whole faith thing because it doesn't make sense. Right? We try to take like a, a, a really painful, bad, it's not good thing happening in our life, and then we have good God, and we try to put that together and go, how can both of those be true? Bad things happen in my life, but God's supposed to be good, and, and, and we're about to tap out, right? We've all had this question, why do bad things happen to good people, and, and why do good things happen to bad people, and then we go, it doesn't make sense. And if, you ever, if you've ever had that question, by show of hands, have you ever had that question? Okay, that's all of us, all right, that are paying attention, all right? So uh, <laughs> here's what I mean by that. It's, it's, uh, it's why if you're feeling that way, um, join the club. What's, what's the club called? Human, human, right? What, what do you mean? Since the very first time a person looked back at God when something happened in their life and said, huh? I don't like this. I don't understand this. And what we mean is I don't understand you and I don't like how this feels, so if you've ever been in that kind of spot in your life, take the emotions and the thing you're thinking about in the song that, that, that people told you to get over with and you just can't, all right? And then why do good things and bad things happen and where's God in this and what's that mean about me? I want you to just take that and I want you to just hold on to those because we're going to come back to them at the end. I'm, I'm going to end with a bunch more questions today, okay? So hold on to that. Now, let's go back to the, and pick up right where we left off last week with this, this famous talk that Jesus gave out on the side of this hill about 2,000 years ago, all right? And, and it says that he's surrounded by a, a huge crowd, and, and the, the word that describes this crowd, it's a Hebrew word we learned a few weeks ago, the Hebrew word, do you remember it? An, anawim, okay? And anawim is it's the term for an entire category of, of what, what that society called throwaway people. Right? People that have been rejected by religion, by society, by their families, and they assume they were rejected by, by, by God. Otherwise, why are all these bad things happening in my life? God must hate me. I'm a throwaway person. I don't, I don't count. And so he's out, Jesus is out there on the side of this hill, surrounded by all these people that they think that God must not like them because their lives are so hard. And in this context, here's what Jesus says. Could I have your attention? From now on, things can be different. Times are changing. All right? Here's what I mean is that just put a little bit of faith in me. How much does it take? I, I'm not in charge of that. I, I don't know. But Jesus says, put a little bit of faith in me, and I will remove anything that would keep any person from bringing their whole life as it is into his kingdom. And that's really, really important. Bring your life as it is. Don't try to clean up your life. Don't try to bring your marriage back together. Try not to be addicted. Last night I said that wrong. <laughs> that would apply too. Don't you try to not, you just move on. All right, so anyway, all right. <laughs> We need to edit that out. I'm sorry. Uh, um, anyway, try not to be a jerk. Try not to, try, 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 don't sober up. Come as you are. Bring your life as it is and accept his invitation to start living this, ready for this, a with God kind of life. Time out here, okay? A with God kind of life. Flatirons, we are done with the concept that God is in the Disney castle in outer space waiting for us till after our funeral and then we can be with him. We're done with that. What do you mean? He's right here. He's with us. He wants to live with us in this life, not after our funeral. I'm certainly after our funeral, but, but, but from this point on. He wants to live a, a with God kind of life in his kingdom and experience, and this is the word we looked at a couple weeks ago, a makarios, which means blessed kind of life, all right? And with that opening word, makarios, blessed are you, what Jesus is saying is it's now possible. It didn't used to be possible. It is now possible for you to live the kind of life. What kind of life? A good one. 
What, what do you mean? A life that is reserved only for those who live like in an, the immediate presence, like right here, an intimate connection to God in his kingdom. And the definition of kingdom, so we're all on board of that, is simply this, where what God wants done is actually being done. Bring all the parts of your life into his kingdom, he says, even the not good, how about this, especially the not good parts. That's what we need to rush to his kingdom with. Not all of our good parts, but all the parts that are just broken and falling apart. Bring those into his kingdom. And in the kingdom, all right, God can change the not good parts of your life into something good. If you could have turned it into something good, you already would have. This says, bring, bring your junk. Bring, bring, bring the broken parts of your life in, into my kingdom. And so last week, we looked, we looked at the way Jesus started this whole, whole talk, all right? Not by giving a list of rules and regulations about what we're doing wrong, what you need to do better, and if you do this enough, in enough times, in the right way, then maybe I will, I will bless you. That's not what he says. What he says is, he starts with a list of the kind of people that are at the top of his invitation list to come into his kingdom. And when people heard the people that he lists off that we're going to work our way through today, uh, people were like, why them, including the people on the list? Right? There's a lot of us right now listening to my voice, and here's what we're thinking. God wants me? Does he, is he paying attention what, what, what my life has been like and all the mistakes and all the problems I've had? No, no. Listen, God says, I want you on my, in, in my, my kingdom. And he starts working his way through this, this rough crowd, and he starts with this last week with that word, makarios, which is the Greek word for blessing. Blessing and connection to God is available to the, to the poor in spirit. Who are the poor in spirit? Those of us who know Inside, we're just broken. Spiritually, we have nothing to offer. We can't come to God and go, would this help? No, we have nothing to offer God. We are, we're just a mess. We, we, we have people faked out around us. They think that we're holy, and we know we don't have anything figured out. And we're really ashamed of it, but we're spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are the spiritually bankrupt. Why? Because you can live their life in the kingdom of heaven so that what God wants done actually is done in your life as it is in the heavens. That, that Lord's Prayer we pray all the time. See, listen, if you're sitting in here right now or you're listening to me, what I'm saying, and you're going, that's me, I'm empty inside. Jesus says, listen, in the kingdom, I can fill that up. I can fill up that, that empty space, that, that darkness inside. I can, I can light that up, what we just sang about, all right? I, I, I can bring something, I can start to heal that in the kingdom. Outside the kingdom, not so much. Outside the kingdom, you're on your own. Outside of the kingdom, g- good luck going out there and trying to prove to someone or yourself or whoever, I am enough, I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, I'm man enough, I'm rich enough, I'm what, whatever enough. Jesus says, no, 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 on your own you're not, but come in here with me and you'll be Makarios. So I got this great text message yesterday morning from my friend Darren. So last week Darren uh, was here in church, the Lafayette campus, and he sat through my talk about Makarios and, and blessed and stuff like that. Right after church, he led a team. They're in Afghanistan right now. So he went over to Afghanistan. We worked with Sozo International over there. And he, he taught my sermon to the Afghan people. That's plagiarism. I'm going to let it go this time. Okay. Anyway, all right. But he sent me this great picture. Look at this picture he sent. This is an Afghan family over there that they're working. They, they work in our, in our adult education program. The kids go to school. Look, look, look what she's holding. This is Makarios. Now, I don't know if this family has any idea what that means, but here's what I know Darren taught him. God wants you in his kingdom. And they're sitting there going, I live in Afghanistan. My life is a mess. I've lost everything. Half my family is dead. And you're saying God cares about me? Yeah, he wants you in his kingdom. And someday maybe that, that little girl will finally live a life of Makarios. And maybe that family will eventually experience blessing. 
because God loves him and God cares about him, all right? So pray for that family because he scares me. I'm just being honest, all right? So there's that, all right? Now, let's move on. Don't judge me. He's scary. All right, so anyway, so that... So let's, let's, let's keep going in this sermon, okay? So again, I, I say this all the time, and, and I get letters every once in a while going, I, just, I don't know if I like it when you say that. Well, I'm going to keep saying it. Right, and here's what I mean. Um, so I, I, what I say a lot of times is, you'll hear me say this phrase, I don't know if this is what happened, but in my mind, this is what it looked like. Now, that's, that's, that's just me, because it's crazy up here. I'm on meds. It's not helping. Now, I don't change what Jesus says or what he means, but the thing that has changed the way that I read God's word, the Bible, is I try to put myself in the story. I tried to be, what would it be like to be sitting on that hill 2,000 years ago, and there's Jesus, and here's all these, you know, disastrous people out there trying to pay attention, hearing things they've never heard before. What was that like? What did it smell like? What, what, what were people doing? What were the sounds, okay? So, so here's Jesus out on the side of this hill, and he just said, blessed are the Anawim, blessed are the spiritually bankrupt, because in the kingdom, uh, your life can be made full. Now, I don't know how, if this is what happened next, but in my mind, this is what happened next, okay? I, I think Jesus is looking around the crowd, and he looks over, and he sees some man or woman, and their eyes are all swollen because they've been crying for several days, and their eyes are, are bloodshot, and they got snot trying to run down their face. And I think he goes, oh, I'm going to talk to you. Blessed, he knows, someone died, right? And he says, blessed, um, blessed are those who mourn. See, you, you've lost somebody, haven't you? Maybe it's the, the love of your life. You spent 30 years together. You thought you would die first, but they died first, and now you don't, you don't know what you're going to do. You ever been there? How of this? Um, maybe it wasn't the, their spouse. Maybe, uh, and, and just so many, so many stories just here at Flatirons about, I went to the doctor for our baby's checkup, and there was no heartbeat. Maybe they just came from the, that appointment. They're just trying to hold it together, right? Maybe they just buried their mom or, or, or their dad. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's somebody didn't physically die. Maybe, um, maybe they just came from a huge fight and their family just died. You ever had a family die or a relationship die or a marriage die? Ever? Yeah, it feels like someone died, right? It feels like it's just as bad as any funeral you've ever been to. It's like it's dead. Or how about this? Um, they, they, they told me that I was fired or they were going to retire me because they didn't want me anymore and my dream died and my hope died and my career died. Here, here's, here's one, okay? This is my, this is my house, okay? Um, maybe, maybe you're so depressed that nobody's died, but it feels every day like somebody died. That's what Robin says to me all the time. She's been bipolar for the last 30 years, and she says, Jim, sometimes it just feels like something has died, and I can't put my finger on it. I just want to die. Ever felt like that? Yeah. And so again, I don't know how it happened, but in my mind, here's what Jesus does. He walks over to that man and woman who's looking at the ground, just trying to hold their crap together, and he puts his finger under their chin. The Bible says that God is the lifter of our head. I mean, when we're looking down, he goes, oh, look up here. I think he just put his finger under that, that, that lady's chin and went, hey, look at me. Um, you're going to be all right. What do you mean? Because blessed are those who mourn. Because in your heartbreak, you can be comforted in the kingdom. Outside the kingdom, you're just going to be sad. See, in, in the kingdom, um, well, listen, there's some things that happen that are so heartbreaking that the level of comfort that can actually, you know, help is like on a godlike level. And only God can give the comfort I need in the worst times. You ever been there? God knows that. He understands that. 
Uh, a few weeks ago, I was asked to do a memorial service for, for a friend of mine. A lot of you all might know him. Uh, his name is Gary Goodenow. He's been in this church long before I ever got here. It was really sudden. He had a, he had a heart attack and, and died in his sleep. And so a couple of days later, Nan, his wife, uh, calls me and goes, Jim, um, will you just come and just talk about Jesus? I'm like, I can do that. I, I like to talk about Jesus quite a bit. And so, so uh, here at Lafayette, at the, at the other end of this building, um, at a certain point in the service, I walked up, and, he, and here's what I said. Um, I'd like to ask a question. And I knew that the room was full of the whole spiritual spectrum, believers, n- not believers, love Jesus, hate Jesus. The whole room was full of everybody. Right? So I said, here's my question. What's the difference between the funeral or the memorial service of someone who dies in the kingdom and the difference between that and someone who, uh, who dies outside of the kingdom? And here's, here's the only answer I can come up with. Um, a person who dies in the kingdom, they're not lost. Can I just say I hate that phrase, we lost dad. No, you didn't. I, 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 lost my, I didn't lose my dad five years ago. I know where my dad is. He's in heaven. He's more found than he has ever been before. He's been healed because he died in the kingdom. His body didn't have cancer anymore. He's fine. We ha- I, in the kingdom, I have this promise that one day, first of all, I just want to see Jesus, but I believe, and my wife and I were talking about this today, I also believe after I see Jesus, I'm going to go, there's my dad too. In the kingdom, I have that promise, all right? Outside the kingdom, we don't have any promise. Now, now please, please lean into this because this is going to be a hard teaching today. It, just try to hold on until it's over. Some of you are going to go, I don't, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to think about this. Let, I'm going to be really honest with you. Outside of the kingdom, when somebody dies, they just die. That's it. Let me, again, it's a, it's a beautiful, you know, um, it, it, romantic thought, but when somebody dies, they don't become an angel. They don't become a cloud floating around the universe. They don't become an eagle. And every time I see that eagle, it's my grandpa's spirit. No, it's not. It's an eagle. It really isn't. I'm not making light of it. Listen, they're just gone outside of the kingdom. And you're just sad. And you're holding on to memories as best as we can. But even though we mean to hold on to the memories, we already know that we're already forgetting their face. And we're already forgetting their voice. And we're trying our best. So on their birthday, we'll try to hold on to a memory. And we'll, we'll write them a message on Facebook because we kept the account open. Because we're trying to keep connection to them. I'm not throwing stones at them. But it's really sad. It's really sad that we're that desperate. It's sad and it's hopeless. Now, hang on, right? Um, I get a lot of questions. This is the sucky part about my job as a pastor. I'll have people come up to me, and they're kind of on the front end of their, of their journey with Christ, and they'll, they'll say this. So, Jim, I had a, a friend of mine or a family member or whatever that is, and they died, and they weren't a Christian, or they committed suicide, whatever that is. Hey, Jim, where are they? Where are they? Now, now, here's the thing. I know what's really going on here because they are trying to figure out, am I going to accept Jesus or not? But if I accept what Jesus says is right and true, then somehow that means my brother's in hell. And I don't want, I don't want to say that. So, Jim, tell me where my friend is that committed suicide because if I hang on to Jesus, I basically have condemned the person I love. And, I, and so here's my answer. And you're, some of you are going to say, that's a cop-out, but you'll use it when you get asked. I just look back and go, um, buddy, that is way above my pay grade. Because it is. It is. That is out of my realm of knowledge. But here's, here's what I do know. I, know. I believe that the person that you love that died for whatever reason is in the hands of a very loving God who has all the information that you don't have and has all, knows everything that was going on that you don't know. He knows what was going on in their heart. He knows what was going on in their mind. So how about this? Let's leave the person you love that died in the hands of a loving God who loves them more than you do and trust that he'll be fair. And he'll do the right thing. And he'll, 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 he'll do just, all right? Um, um, but, but then I follow with this. But 
It's a big but, all right? You know what I mean by that, right? But um, what about you? We're going to come back to this in a minute. What about you? You don't have to wonder what happens to you if you die or when you die, because we all die. You can know. You can know in, in, in the kingdom, I'm fine. Listen, I, I, this brings up a lot of stuff. Let, let me just say, I, this is probably going to pop your pastor bubble, um, because I hear people going, I just want to be with the Lord. You know what? I don't want to die today. I don't. And I hear all these people going, it would just be better to be with the Lord. Okay, that's probably true. And when I am with the Lord, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll talk about that in a second. I don't want to die today. I got stuff to do. I got six grandkids. All right? They're probably coming over and running football today. But I, that's okay. All right? I, I want to hang out with them. I want eight grandkids if my kids are listening. All right? But uh, I, 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 I don't want to die. I have some stuff to do. All right? But, but if for some reason that you find out later today Jim, Jim, the ball game didn't go well, and we lost Jim. We didn't lose him. I'm fine, okay? If I die, listen, I, I'm fine. You can cry a little bit. It would hurt my feelings if you didn't cry a little bit. All right, but that, that's okay. All right, I'm fine. Please know I'm all right. I'm not lost. You know exactly where I am. Where are you, Jim? I'm with Jesus. And I'll, you know what? And I'll be waiting on most of you. All right, so come in. <laughs> well, you know who you are. All right, but... <laughs> I'll be waiting. Come and join. And we'll have a big party. My dad will be there. Jesus will be there. Uh, people that, that we love, who are in the hands of a loving God, they will all be there. I will say, here's my last will and testimony. Do not Facebook me. I'll unfriend you from heaven. I will do it. I will not be checking social media from heaven, all right? Now, here's why. I, I had to lighten that up a little bit because this is hard, isn't it? But, but please hear this, all right? Whether you're a Christian or not, Everybody has to deal with death. All of us, 100%. You're going to die or the people that you love are going to die eventually. It's just, it's just true. Nobody gets out of here, you know, without that, unless Jesus comes back later this afternoon, all right? So and maybe save a game. I, I don't know what that is, but listen, everybody has to deal with death. Here are our deals. Here are our options for everybody. You can, you can deal with death in the kingdom with Jesus, or you can deal with death outside of the kingdom on your own. But you have to deal with death, Yours or somebody else. Here's the cool thing about Jesus. In the kingdom, death is the least of our worries. We're fine. We're sad. We don't want it to happen today. We'll miss people. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think when we miss people and cry, it actually honors their memory. So there's nothing wrong with that. But listen, um, what Jesus says is a Makarios kind of life, a, 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 a connection with God in the kingdom kind of life, it's available. So if that's true, you might want to rethink how you see and think about death and mourning, right? Why? Because it doesn't have to be hopeless. You don't have to go to one more funeral without hope. You don't have to face your own funeral without out hope. You, you can have hope in the kingdom. So blessed are those who are comforted in the kingdom, right? Even when you mourn. So let's keep going, all right? Because uh, we got to get through this, and I want to get to some questions, and then Kickoffs at 2.30. So, so, so let's keep going there, all right? So I, I hate this. I mean, I love this one, but I've read it for a long time, and I, I don't like it. I like it better now. Blessed, what is he talking about? All right. Blessed are the who? Uh, did anybody write that in their yearbook? Someday I hope to be meek. No, all right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So let's look at that word meek. What's meek mean, okay? Because in my mind, every time I've heard meek, I think weak. Blessed are the weak. Nope, I don't want to be weak. 
okay? So I've heard it translated, and I taught it. This, this passed through the Sermon on the Mount. I think I'm closer to getting it right, okay? I'm learning as I go here, but I've heard meek um, translated as gentle, and that's okay. I think it's trying to save some of our, you know, dignity or something like that. It actually means gentle, but gentle doesn't really do it for me. You're, you're a gentle man, Jim. Ah, doesn't feel good, all right? So, all right, so gentle can also be translated as this, strength under control, and I like that better because the Greek word for, for, for gentle, all Greek words have like a picture that goes with them, and the word for gentle in the Greek is kind of like a mighty stallion or a racehorse under the control of its, of, of its rider, which is very noble. I can, I'll sign up for that, okay? And I, and I really believe that a strong person under the control of God's spirit is certainly in a position to receive God's blessing. I'll give you that. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. I'm sure, I'm sure it's true, but in, in context, all right, that's not who he's talking to. Who's he talking to? Because remember this phrase? Context is king. Who's he talking to? Anawim. He's not rallying off, off a list of qualities that he sees sitting around him there on that, that hillside that day. No. They are the throwaway people. They are convinced they have no value, that they don't matter. They don't think they're strong, and they don't think they have control over anything. So in context, Jesus is not saying, you know what? I'm looking up that side of the hill, and I see a lot of people with strength under control. Way to go. No, 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 no. In context, I don't think that's what he means at all. Here's what I think he's talking about. How, how about this? Hey, blessed are the invisible people. Blessed are the people who don't feel like you have a voice in the world at all or in your, even in your own life. Blessed are the people who never speak up for themselves and ask for what they want or what they need because they don't think they deserve it. Blessed are the shy ones. Blessed are the ones who live every day in fear and anxiety. Blessed are the ones who blame themselves for everything wrong in the world, in their family, whatever that is. Blessed are those who, who don't think they deserve anything good because of what they did or who they're, where they're from or, or what their past resume looks like. They, I don't deserve anything good, so I'm just going to shut up and, and just be still. And I think when Jesus goes, blessed are the meek, I think about half the hillside went, what? what? Why? Because if you'll bring that meek thing going on in your heart into the kingdom of the heavens, Jesus says that you will inherit everything. What do you mean everything? The earth? What does that mean? Everything you could ever need. What would be a life that you could say, I have everything I could ever need? How about Macarius? See, you can live a Macarius life, when you realize that your father, whose name is God, says, I will take care of everything that you need in the kingdom. Outside, meek people, you're a doormat. And people are going to walk on you and take advantage of you, and you're going to let them outside the kingdom. But you don't have to live outside the kingdom. You can actually, I'll use Jesus' word here, you can repent. You can rethink everything and change your mind about who you are and what you're worth, and you can step into the kingdom and see things different. And in the kingdom, you're not a doormat. You're an heir of God. And what are you going to inherit? Everything you need. Everything you need from your father, whose name is God. Let's keep going, all right? Then I'll get some questions. And there's a song at the end. It's better than anything I say today. So don't leave early. I, you, I see you people back there. All right, all right so <laughs> look at this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, what's that big word? Righteousness. That's, we'll come back to that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And we're going to spend, in a couple of weeks, we're going to spend a whole bunch of time on that word righteousness. But, in, but in, in context, really, really quick, what we're talking about here is hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I'm going to describe it for you, and, and you'll go, oh, I know what you're talking about there, all right? Um, hungering and thirsting for righteousness would be, I have this, um, like, ache, like this hunger pain, like this gnawing, like gurgling, like... I think I'm going to get an ulcer type of pain. 
inside of me, and here's what it's, at, it's demanding. I want things to be made right. And it's eating my lunch. Like that translation? All right, all right. How, what do you mean? You're all, how about this? Um, you want things to be right with you. It's like a lot of us, we're carrying around so much guilt and shame and we, we're Christians and we put our faith in Jesus and we know we're forgiven and after we die, we're going to, to, to live with him forever, okay? But um, we can't get over it. I know I'm forgiven, I'm just not healed and it's killing me on the inside every day. I think about it all the time. Maybe that's what he's talking about there. How about this? Um, the ache inside of you is you have this anger that just wants to explode and it's about to explode and you try to not let it explode but every once in a while it just explodes over everybody around you when you see something happening in the world to somebody else or to you and you go, that's not fair. That's not right. That's, un that's unjust, all right? And probably the reason it brings up so much energy, maybe even more than what that actually deserves, maybe not, but maybe it brings up so much energy in you when you see that unjust thing happening is it probably reminds you of something that happened to you and nobody did anything about it and it wasn't fair, but it feels the same. Anybody? Maybe you see something, you go, that, that reminds me of the exact same thing that my dad or my mom or my boyfriend, or my girlfriend or, or my uncle or my whatever did to me and nobody did anything about it and it's not right. It reminds me of what happened to me. And I didn't get a vote in it. It's because I was old. It was because I was young. Somebody took advantage of me because of my gender or, or my race or my income. That's not fair. Somebody needs to do something about it. It's not right. What happened to me as a kid? What happened to me at, at, at work? It's not fair. Somebody needs to fix this. Somebody needs to make them pay. They need to pay for what they did. It's only right. It's only fair. And so you go, I'll do it. I'll, I'll make it right. And you go out there and you try to. You go eye for eye and tooth for tooth, and you try to make it right. You go, and that'll do it. Now I'll be satisfied. But you know what? You never have been yet. You think that'll do it. That'll show them. That'll fix it. But it didn't, did it? It comes back in about five minutes. I'm still not happy. I'm still not satisfied. And then you look for something else to make it right, and then you do that, and it doesn't help either. And Jesus, listen, this is, this is hard teaching. Jesus says there are some things in this world that are going to happen to you or the people you love that are so horrific and so devastating and so painful and so wrong and so unfair. There is no word. There is no magic phrase. There's nothing that can be done that would ever make it right or even the score. There's nothing anybody could say or do that would make you okay with what happened to you or to your kid or to, what, to whatever part of your life. And I just think it's absurd to have some expectation. There's a magic phrase or action out there that can make everything okay. Not in this world, right? But it is why, and let me just talk to Christians for a while because I always draw a target on you because we're, Christians, we're just dumb sometimes, speaking for myself. We see something happening in somebody else's life and I think that we mean to say something good and we say the worst thing ever. Somebody dies or somebody ends up in an emergency room or somebody gets divorced or somebody loses a baby and here's what we say. We walk in and going, I guess it was just God's will. All right, write this down. Stop it. Please stop saying that. How do you know? The car wreck was God's will? Really? The cancer was God's will? The miscarriage was God's will? That was God's will, right? Yeah, are you tapped into some divine in information? Because let me just tell you, all right, it's above your pay grade. So stop giving out bad advice in the name of God. It's, it, it might not have been God's will. L listen, all right? One time, gee, I'm fired up. One time Jesus was they're trying to pin him in a corner and have him give the wrong answer. So say, hey, Jesus, got a question for you. So you know that tower over in Siloam? It fell over and killed all those really good people. Why'd that happen? 
Why did the tower fall over and kill those people? And in the, in the same breath, they said this. And you know there were a bunch of people in the temple. Those had to be good people. They were in the temple. My daughter was one of them. Listen, so why did that, why they're in the temple worshiping, why did those bad people come in and shoot the place up and kill everybody? Why did it happen? Explain it. You know what Jesus said to them? Nothing. No, and you know what? I assume because he's Jesus, he knows the answer. But the truth is in that moment, is there anything that would go, okay, I'm okay with the tower falling over and killing my mom? Anything? Oh, thanks for explaining it, Jesus. I'm fine. Move on. Anybody? Or your daughter was in the temple and, 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 and got, got murdered by those really, really, really bad people, and then Jesus cleared it up for you? I think it's ridiculous. He doesn't, he doesn't give them an answer. What he does do is he uses it to ask a more important question that's actually relevant to their life. Because you can't do anything about that. Here's the question Jesus asks. But what if the tower had fallen on you? Where would you be? What if you'd been in that temple that day and someone had murdered you? What comes next for you? What would you be facing? Again, Jesus knows that there are things that are gonna happen in our lives to us and to the people we love the most. And there is nothing that can be said or done that makes what happened okay. And so here's our options. We can live angry and hungry and thirsty trying to fix it. Or we can take that unrighteous, not good, unfair thing and we can put it in the kingdom of God and do it with God. And God, Jesus says this, if you'll take that horrible thing in your life and live it with God in the kingdom, eventually, probably not today, not later this afternoon, but down the road eventually, you can be satisfied. I'm okay, I don't, I don't have to fix that anymore. And satisfied here, it means that, that hungry part of your soul that gets fed, and not just with breadcrumbs, all right? Satisfied in this context, it actually translates this way, Fed until it's full and satisfied, like Thanksgiving full. Like I've been so hungry and just, just empty inside. And then, you know, I started kind of walking through this with Jesus, and now I, I'm, I'm full and satisfied. What, what kind of life would you call a full and satisfied life? I'm going to go with Makarios. Makarios are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because if you bring that into the kingdom, you can be Full. Now, this is really important. Here's the thing with these opening beatitudes or blessings, all right? Offerings of what's available to us found in the kingdom of God with Jesus. Jesus is not, we're gonna pick this up next week. Jesus is not giving us a list of, of conditions to meet. Do this, do this, do this, do this, and then you can earn some blessing. You know, go out here and, this is ridiculous, but this house has been taught, right? You should go out there and mourn more. You're not mourning enough. If you mourn a little more, maybe you'd be blessed. If you're a little meeker, tone it down, right? right? Maybe a little more meek. And then maybe I'll bless. That's not what it means. That's just rules. That's, that's religious legalism, right? What Jesus is addressing and dismantling are these conclusions and these messages that we all live with and we tell ourselves it's true about us or it's true about God or it's about what we're worth or something like that. And it's all based on our circumstances, what happened to us. Therefore, this must be true about me, must be true about God. And then we look at our lives going, I've tried to fix this before and I haven't done it. I can't even imagine, even with God, that changing. And so we just give up and we, we, we don't have any hope anymore. And we, we walk around going, God will never bless my life because it's a mess. And what Jesus is doing, he's calling a timeout and says, you have it backwards. He's announcing this, is that a Makarios kind of life is available to anyone. What's the next three words? In spite of your circumstances, not if you'll change your circumstances. Blessing can come to you, not, not if you'll fix your circumstances and change your circumstances and, and try harder in your circumstances. No, in spite of your circumstances. 
How? Because I'm, 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 I'm going to experience blessing by trusting that Jesus is who he says he is and can do and will do everything he promises to do. That is the definition of faith. And don't try to figure out how he's going to do it above your pay grade. Right? When you're facing devastation in your life going, how are you going to fix this, Jesus? He's not going to explain himself to you. He's just going to say, do you trust me or not? Then walk with me. Don't try to figure it out. Just believe he can do it. Because let's just be honest. If anyone can do it, it's not you. Or you'd already done it. If anyone can do it and anything can change, it will be with Jesus in his kingdom. Now, file that away. Hold on to that. Here's what I want to do. I, I want to I ask some questions. And I'm going to do this every week as we go through this series for a couple reasons. One is, about, over the last month or so, between four and 5,000 of us have signed up to be in a small group. All right? We've never done this before. So if, you've, if you're going, is this, is this a new thing? You're brand new. It's been going two weeks now. All right, so it's, it's brand new. Now, now, here's why I say that. I'm gonna ask some questions because you can get up out of this room and th- your day's packed and you're gonna mean to get back to this and think about it, but you, but you won't, right? You got kickoff and you got this and you got that and you got baseball practice and all. You got all these things coming up, right? You're not gonna get to it. So here's what you can do. You can get online on your computer and there's a bunch of discussion questions and you can just go through those by yourself in your car on your way to work tomorrow. And there'll be some benefit to that. People are always asking me like, so what's the application of this? I had so many lady, and if you're here today, pay attention. Uh, she, she emailed me going, I, I don't think this is a church for me because you didn't give applica- specific application of what to do with this teaching. Um, I'm not going to babysit you. You're smart people. M- m- most of you are smart people, right? And you can sit here and go, on, I, know, I know exactly what God's teaching me here right now. Whether you're going to do it or not, that's something else. So, so that, but here's what's even better I found in my life is if you could get in a circle of people that you trust and talk, this is heavy stuff. We talked about death. We talked about breaking up. We're gonna get to even heavier stuff later in this talk, right? And you can do it on your own. But how does that work for you so far? And I'm gonna go with not great. But if you could possibly get with some other men or women in your life, same season of life, different season of life, and get some perspective going, what about you? How do you do this? And can you help me and walk with me through this? Maybe things would change. So here's my questions. That's my sales pitch. On your way out in your lobby, stop by the, the groups table out there or, or get online and sign up for a group in your area. Now, here's my questions. So based on the circumstances of your life and what's going on in your life, you have judgments going on about yourself and about God based on the circumstances of your life. Jesus said that um, a person who you know you're spiritually empty and broken inside, he says you can begin to experience a Makarios blessed kind of life. If you just take that broken part of your life and start living it with God in his kingdom, and, and only you know how deep or shallow your relationship is with God, I don't know, that's between you and God. And only you know how that's affected the parts of your life, all right? And if you're like me, you have probably a bunch of guilt and shame around it because you're going, I should know better. That's my story. Anyway, all right, so based on all that, here's the question I have, all right? What's the message running through your head right now about what you deserve from God? That's a hard question. Based on your life and the condition of your life and the circumstances that led up to this point right here, what, if you were God, what do you think you deserve? And what kind of man would do that? What kind of woman would do that? I'm not saying it's right or true. I'm just saying this, it's what you carry. And the follow-up would be, what do you want to see change? And do you think it's possible? Next, let's move on to the next one. Jesus, Jesus said that the kind of person who is overwhelmed with loss and grief and sadness and depression and loneliness, you can experience comfort if you'll allow Jesus to walk through the, I'll use another Bible verse here, the valley of the shadow of death with you. So what might Jesus be telling you it might be possible 
Or how about this? What difference would or what difference could it make if you brought whatever it is that you're mourning? It's breaking my heart. I feel like something died. What if you brought that into his kingdom and asked him to walk through it with you? Would it make a difference? So this, was, this is not in my notes. I'm just going to throw it in. So that's my, that's my house. So about 10 years ago, well, actually about 11 years ago, Rob and I had been out here in Colorado about a year, and we, we heard this place was a me too place where you could be honest and real and stuff like that, but we were raised in church and we know that's not really, really true until we got here. And so uh, I was talking, I, I did this, this talk, uh, and the metaphor I was using was a lion, and the story I said was, sometimes you go hunting for lions, but sometimes the lions come hunting for you, and that's my house. And, and that's what happened to my wife. So my wife, Robin, has dealt with bipolar disorder and migraines and seizures for th- over 30 years. And she stood up at Flatirons on this day. She would never come in here and do this. She did it in the little feed store across the, 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 the store. And she said, I've asked God for healing over and over and over and over and over. And so far, the answer from God has been, no, I'm not going to heal you. Anybody had that answer come back from God? But the sentence doesn't end there. But... But I'm going to give you enough grace. My grace is sufficient. It's more than enough to hold you together. And she says, I continue to ask God to heal me. And so far, the answer is no. And sometimes I, I, I don't have anything left. I have no prayer. I, I, don't, I don't want to talk to God sometimes. And I just lay on my couch, and I don't have words. And so I just, I just moan. And the Holy Spirit takes my moaning before God. And God shows up and wraps his arms around me and holds me together. I think that's what Jesus is talking about. In the worst moments of your life, hey, hey, look at me, look at me. You're going to be okay because I'll lay here on the couch with you as you go through the valley of shadow of death. Would it make any difference if you really believed he was with you? Because it's kept my wife alive so far. How about this? Jesus says that if you're the kind of person that says, I don't have a voice, I don't have value, nobody wants, cares about me. It feels, like, it feels like all my problems are my own fault and I, des- I deserve what's happened to me. He says, listen, you can begin to live a different kind of life where you can know that your father, whose name is God, will supply everything you need as you walk through your life with God. So what would change? What would change in you if you were absolutely confident, confident in his faith, you had absolute faith that Jesus will keep his promise to walk, to walk through this day and every future day with you? And make sure that, hey, this is good and I want it done in your life. And what I want done will be done because you're in my kingdom. Would it make any difference? Let me give you one more, right? So Jesus said this, is that in this world, there will be things that will happen to you and they won't be fair and they'll be unjust and they're not right. They're going to attack your life. And you know what? There's something within you that's going to want an answer. Could you please explain this? And I want justice. And I want it to be made right. And you're going to try as hard as you can and you're not going to get an explanation and it's not going to be made right. And it's going to leave you hungry and thirsty inside. And there's nothing wrong. Let me just say this. There's nothing wrong with seeking justice. God says, seek justice. When you see something wrong happening, you, you, you do your best to make that right, especially if somebody is being hurt. So seek justice. But God knows that we don't always see justice happen, and we don't get enough answers. And then here's what happens for a lot of us. A bunch of frustration and guilt and hunger wells up inside of us, and it just contaminates everything in our life. It didn't have anything to do with what happened, but my wife or my kids or my husband or my, the, the closest people in my life are paying for that because I can't get over it, and I can't move on. Or I medicate so I don't have to think about it, whatever that is. So my question is this. You know what yours is. What is one thing or area of your life that right now you, you would say this? 
You, you say, it's not right, it's not fair, it's not just, and I can't fix it, or I already would have, and it's eating me up on the inside. Do you have that? So if you were to repent, what do you mean? Rethink how you see everything based on what Jesus says is now available to you. How about this? Could you pray a prayer something like this? God, I've done all I know to do, and so from this point on, I'm, what's that word? I am what? It's a choice. You're not a victim. We have to make a choice. And what are we choosing to do? I'm choosing to trust that what you want to be done will be done. That's kingdom. Even though, even though I don't see how you're going to do it or understand how you're going to do it. I don't, tr- I don't understand that. I do trust you. Would that bring any level of peace in your life if you had that much confidence? Now, I'm done, okay? So we're, here's what we do at all of our campuses right now, all right? Th- this is a song that was given to me by a friend going through morning. And I said, this, we, gotta, we gotta do this song. So here's what I wanna do. Um, as life happens to us, we, we, we jump to some really bad conclusions. That happened bad, I must be bad. I did something bad, God must hate me. And then we get locked up with the wrong definitions. I'm a bad person, she's a bad person, I have a bad life. Can I just say really, really, really honest? Um, we don't have the right to say that. We're not in charge. God alone says who's good. God alone looks and says, uh, listen, I, I, I'm the one that can make that right. And so here's what we're going to do. Um, uh, the, uh, again, all of our campuses, we're going to all sing the same song. It's a song that you may not know. So just listen to this song. And it's whatever God brings up to you that you've been praying about for the last 30 minutes or so. Um, that's probably what I want us to talk to you about. But then at the end, we're going to turn it into a worship song. And if, it's your, if it can become your prayer about who you say I am, I want to believe that. And just see if that helps. All right, let's pray. God, um, in these next few moments, I know that this song was written very, very specifically about you and what is possible in your kingdom. But it just sounds like too good to be true, that you have not given up on us, that you still love us, that you're willing to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And, it, it, and even then, God, it's going to feel like we can barely make it through the day someday but we know that we can't make it many more steps on our own. And so whatever we're mourning over, whatever that message in our head that says we don't count and we don't have a voice, whatever it is that's eating us up on the inside because it's just not right and nobody did anything, we want to bring all that to you in these next few moments and say, God, I'm going to lay it at your feet, which is another way of saying I'm going to put it in your kingdom and in your kingdom, maybe something new, something healing, something good, can come from something that is not good. I believe that's possible only through Jesus. And you promised you would do that, Jesus. And we believe in your name. Amen.